This is Occam's Laser, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. You are now listening to Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Paradise Arcade with Kyle and Eric, promoting synthwave music and culture. So it's L.A. L.A. Arson, yes. L.A. Arson, like the city. But yeah, like the city. I I made it very, I made it very difficult for everybody to say our name from the very beginning. <laughs> that was that was what I really wanted to go for was making my name as hard as possible to say correctly for everybody. Yeah. Um, Good job. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, it was always meant to be a phonetic spelling of my um, my last name, Larson. So L A Arson, Larson. See, that's kind of makes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was too clever. I, I I'm too smart because when I did that, everyone wants to say Elay because that's what you see when you see the E and L together. And you speak English, that's what you say. Right. So I messed that up. And I'm like, you know, I don't care. I just, as long as people know it's us or yeah. it's me. It was initially just me by myself when I started. And then um, when we, when uh, Devin got on board three years ago, um, I it was kind of like, like okay, this is becoming more than just me. This is like okay, I gotta I gotta represent and I gotta like say this name all the time. And by the time I had done that, like I kind of realized how uh, like the mistake I had made with my name. But I I didn't care because I just already done already done a whole album by myself on it um, as L A Arson. But now now some people say Elay, and I just don't I don't correct them. I just let them say it because it doesn't. It doesn't that doesn't matter? All right. Like I'm not a stickler for it. Or they could be the people that get called out later on and be like, "Dude, you're you, saying it wrong." Yeah, you've you been doing <laughs> that wrong yeah. the whole time. You're no yeah, fan. you can. We can uh, differentiate the OGs from <laughs> the posers. All right. Well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna quick do an intro and because we're we're already starting to get on the good conversation, so we can just edit that and put it after the intro. Yeah, this I'm is gonna sh- be a cold open. Yeah. About that? yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, we should just go into it now and just say, hey, this is us after we've gone into it. Stick with it. All right. That's what I'm going to do. We're, we'll keep that. So, uh, very special guest. No, I won't do it this time. I'm you called sure. me out. I'm doing it. Yeah. So, welcome to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. We have a special guest. Very special guest. L.A. Arson. I said it right. And you're listening to the cold open. Yes. You, get, you understand that that's... Uh, what it comes from. So thank you for joining us uh, for this episode. Um, really excited because you obviously just released uh, a new album and it's being very well received. Um, so I, I have to imagine that feels pretty good. Yeah, it's by far most popular uh, release we've ever done. And it's something that is unexpected. Well, it's like 
we hoped for it, but we weren't uh, thinking, oh, yeah, this is guaranteed. Guaranteed people, everyone's going to like this. We were hoping that it was like going to do very well, and it seems to be doing pretty good, but um, yeah, it was never like a, it never felt like, oh, this is, this is definitely going to, we were just like, oh, we feel like we did a really good job. I think people are going to like this. That was, that was a kind of our feeling on it. Um, and it does feel good to have that kind of reception and people caring like at all. Like that's, I think that's the, the main takeaway out of like doing this. Cause I remember starting at zero. I remember starting with nobody caring at all. <laughs> every day of my life. I know how that is. Uh, and of course, we're talking about uh, Dusk Incarnate. For those that are listening, it is your fourth album, right? Yeah, our fourth full length. We done. Um, we have we have two EPs as well. So like we have uh, Borrowed Memories is our first EP that we did, and then we did um, Pale Summer, and those were kind of just like offshoots that we did that were like um, a few songs each. So this is like our sixth album, but our fourth full length. And with this, you're you're shooting pretty high. It's a it's a pretty um, high minded concept album, I would say. Right? I mean, I'm not making that up, am I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so here's how this happened. I I watched a bunch of Blade Runner um, three years ago. Three years ago, I was watching a bunch of Blade Runner. A bunch of it bunch of it like what like like i kept watching like the the original one um and then after blade runner 2049 came out i started watching that over and over and the idea came along with like oh, i want to do something like like that where there's like a story but i don't know how to do like ambient kind of stuff like the it like uh um is in the soundtrack but i'd like to do something that has that kind of um big story there's cybernetics and cyberpunk stuff happening and so that's what that's how it, it kind of ended up happening i kind i gave jacqueline ruther or aka mizukat i gave her uh the rundown of how the album what kind of things and themes i wanted on the album and i just i just gave her our music and let her go nuts with uh art and she drew whatever she wanted as you should and let she, her do, yeah, yeah. And then she came. She came back with the illustration for what is now the cover for Dusk Incarnate, and uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to make a story around this art, and I had that name in mind, and Dusk Incarnate, and that was it. And then I created a story around it, and it took us a while. Like I had that art and that story and idea. Like before we wrote our second album, uh, or sorry, third album. Uh, spirit death i actually had all that done like the concept but i couldn't figure out like how to make it work yet so i just sort of held on to that we released spirit death in 2018 and then we just uh uh let uh the this idea develop and grow into something that could be um more more complete gotcha uh, and it's a, uh, one of the things that I want to talk about, you know, you're, you're with, uh, you know, you talk a little bit about the, the 
culmination or the beginning of the album. What is your background? So it is, it's um, very much like a, I'm hearing like synth metal or dark wave metal sort of thing. But clearly for those that, that don't know your music, you actually play instruments. It, there's bass and there's guitar and I'm not, are you doing live drums in that or is it drum programming? It's hard for me to tell sometimes. No, it's just, um, it's drum programming, but the drum programming sometimes is intended to sound like a real drummer. I work, I work as hard as I can to like program drums in certain instances where they sound like someone's playing them. But um, so when you say background, you just mean like music, like music background. Yeah, yeah. yeah because, um, uh, so my my music background is um, I've just been making music with computers for um, a long time, like since I was like sixteen years old. Back when I think the first DAW I used, um, the first software I used to make music was. Um, a thing called uh, like the first real computer die I think I used was Sony Acid. That was mm. I remember that like long time ago. Wow. Um, yes. And before that, I actually used like I made music on um, it was a thing called MTV Music Generator on the PlayStation One. I remember that. Who <laughs> said? Damn. That was and how did before, I not know like, of that? I, I probably would have been <laughs> down with that if I knew about it. Yeah, it's a, it, was a, it was a really cool, like, it basically taught you how a DAW works um, and, loop, and gave you loops and um, instruments and things of that nature. And it was all on the PlayStation, so you had to, like, build songs with a PlayStation controller. And uh, I think it was uh, a different name uh, of software. Uh, depending on what re- region you lived in. So in America, it was called MTV Music Generator. In other places, it was a different name. Uh, but that was, I remember those were the first two things that I used. So I, like, I was kind of like, I was taken a hold of by electronic music very, very, uh, like at a young age, like in the, in the, talking like the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, uh, so I'm I'm the older member of LA Arson and Devin Devin's about five years younger than me and he he's more of a metal guy. Like he has a metal background. He's a he's a guitar teacher by by trade. So he's he's as you would expect an excellent guitarist. And like I'm like I know how to play p- piano. My background, my first instrument was uh trumpet i played trumpet growing up (laughs) yes so like i'm used to already used to like a monophonic type of instrument so bass was kind of like easy to to pick up like i'm not really good at guitar um but i can play bass okay like anything with that doesn't have chords on it like i can you know like like anything where you're just playing one note at a time like that's what i'm that makes more sense in my head unless it's piano piano makes a lot of sense to me but anything else that's like um multiple notes at once it gets like confusing on like a string instrument uh uh so i i have i have a background in like like classical like band and uh piano and that kind of thing 
A band nerd. That's cool. Band nerd. Yeah, band nerd. I, w- I was a band nerd. And um, I guess I still am. It. I never stopped. I, I, you know, like I didn't quit at any point. I'd be like, you know what? This music thing, this is for losers. You know, I never at that point, never got to that point. So um, and that's good. I'm glad I didn't quit uh, because that's uh, that's like half of what doing music is, like being like successful at it. It's just like doing like getting better at it but like not quitting along the way while you're not doing as good as you could be <laughs> i i feel really called out right now <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't trying to call anybody out that's just a natural progression i feel like of any anybody going through um music is that you have to you have to be bad at it for like a long time most of the time and <laughs> yeah and it's it sucks that's like it's like it's not fun for a lot of it um, and then once you get like, okay, I, I kind of know what I'm doing like a little bit. And then you can start doing stuff on purpose. Like that feels amazing when you can make a song on purpose. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh shoot, I'm, I'm getting okay at this. So and then you could do the thing that you try to do, but do it again. Yeah. You can repeat. You can, you can not, and you can, you can get like better somehow like that's that's even that's that's like super special when you're like oh shit i can i can get really like creative with this and i don't have just i have more than one idea you know like oh that's um and with and and working with with lars and stuff like like i had given up on music for like a while i'd kind of just like put it to the side and then i i remember there was a blood music um perturbator uh contest where it was like if you can do a cover song of um any perturbator song we'll we'll send you an album i already had the album on vinyl um they're gonna send you a vinyl record uh, a glow in the dark one i was like you know what i'll just try to do this contest and trying to do that contest maybe get like confident again and trying to make music and then um we'll make, make music again like try this new project and so i i went for this new like i already had this project in mind and i wanted to do something like that and then trying to figure out like i had to break to to do a cover of a song you have to kind of break down a song into its most basic elements and figure out how to remake it and so trying to do a perturbator cover which made me go oh which song did i try to cover yeah um i tried to cover um she's young she's beautiful she's next okay all right and it, and the way he wanted us to do it was you had to do everything with an instrument. Um, so you could you could you could do the drums could be automated, but everything else had to be like you're playing it. So I did it on piano and bass, and I eventually took it down off of YouTube. But it used to be on YouTube. But whereas me like woefully trying to play that song with just a piano and a bass. You know, I would um, really spice that up. Trumpet. <laughs> trumpet. You know, trumpet would have made it just that much better. Um, man, I I don't know if I could play anything outside of the C scale on a trumpet. Now you think now that make make me think about it. Like I'm like, I think I could pl- I think I could play the C scale, C major scale, and like that's it. That's all I got in my head anymore about trumpet. It's been so long since I've. I've played that instrument. You just got to choose your dudes. Yeah. Just got to choose them. Yeah. Just choose the ones that apply to that song and then be like, okay, 
which would be hard because I think that song's in B minor. So there's only like a handful of shared notes. Um, yeah, I went to, uh, I went to college for music theory. Like I went, to, I did all the, like I, I went to college for music school and then I just sort of, uh, I got a degree in general studies. So that's how that worked. That's amazing. You went yeah, to go I, full music nerd and did. Yeah. And I didn't, fin- I didn't finish cause I didn't want to take any more music history courses. Um, they're the most depressing things you can possibly <laughs> do. Music, Don't especially know about the jazz history. Jazz history oh, is geez. so sad. Yeah. Like it's it's just a bummer. The whole thing's a bummer. Um, but yeah, I don't want to take any more music. Like like I could I could easily go back to school and and try to finish, um, school and get my degree in music. But I don't I don't want to take any more. I mean, did history you, co- it's just history did you feel like it was making you hate music doing that kind of thing yeah that and everything past music theory too was like i don't know what i can do with um there's uh there's like tone rows and uh like modern music so when you talk modern music you're really talking like what classical composers were trying to do in the 1920s like trying to really push the limits of what you could do and like uh, make music uh, use all 12 notes and like chromatic scales and that kind of thing. And it's kind of, um, it's got a purpose, but most of it's like an unlistenable mess to my ears. So (laughs) it's not enjoyable. Uh, The whole thing's kind of like a, uh, yeah, that that's a bummer. Um, Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot about music school that like really, um, That'll make you, they'll really test you, test your love of music. How much uh, do you love this thing? Because we're going to make sure that you hate every moment about learning it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like learning accounting for music. That's what it, but not the, the fun accounting where you like get to rack up album sales. It's more like music works. Music is actually more like math, guys. Get used to that. Um, it's actually just all math and you, you, you got to analyze all of it and um memorize just non-stop uh information that is hard to apply to anything else in this world um it's very specialized knowledge <laughs> being a musician like, i'm just having flashbacks to me going to school too because two situations where it was like that one was i really like movies so i was like i'm gonna take this film class and that came close to ruining movies for me because it was so terrible like here's a thing you love will ruin it and the other one was is i really like cars so i almost went away to a like special school just to work on cars and like i had paid for it i was ready to go and like a few days before i was about to ship out and fly out to utah i was just like i can't fucking do this i don't want to do it <laughs> that was it wow didn't want to ruin that so I got a general business degree instead. <laughs> yeah, no, it's far more applicable to what you can, what you can do in the world. Like I, like even, but even like a, getting a degree as a mechanic is still like more useful than. It's easier to get a job, I think, with that degree than anything I could have with a music degree. It's, and then so I realized I added up my degree, my 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 credits. And I just realized that I had enough credits to technically graduate with a general studies degree. And so I did that. 
Um, I just called it. I called my education. You were done. I was just like, like I'm out. I graduated technically, but it was it was like the the most lackluster graduation I think you could possibly have. Because <laughs> it's it's, a, it's, an, it's another like I it's a it's the degree equivalent of saying I quit. <laughs> but you have something. But I have validation. But I have validation. I gra- I'm a college graduate. I'm I'm clearly smarter than a high school graduate. That's Obviously. that's what that means, right? Yes. Um, I don't know if that's 100% true, but I'd like to think it is. You paid money to get that piece of paper. I did. I paid. Well, actually, I didn't pay very much money. The government did. Thank you, government. Thank you, America. Well, you know. I I was in the Army, so I get GI Bill. So that's. um, I I get free education ish free ish free with asterisk free with you go to uh, a war or something you know you do that kind of thing um so it's not part of my background not unlimited education yeah you get three you get three years to kind of figure your shit out and then if you don't get it done in that amount of time uh sorry buddy (laughs) i would have been in trouble I went to college for seven and a half years, and they didn't even make me a doctor. <laughs> oh, no. shit is that? <laughs> I put like, the time in. You're like Van Wilder. I, yes, and oddly enough, that came out while I was in the midst of all of that, too. It's like, I'm very relatable. <laughs> you, well, because you, you didn't become a doctor because you're a lawyer, right? That's, that's why you went to school that long. You're... Lloyd, no, yeah, 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 right. (laughs) You just get a doctor in other things. Yeah, well, you 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 got it. You got you got to be you you got to have the experience of seven and a half years of school, though. At least that's something. What an experience that was! The last two years, it was taking like one course because to get my capstone courses, the final ones for my business degree, they only offered one course every other semester for the last few so i was like really i gotta waste my time doing this like one course a semester yeah and like it would only be like one particular one would be every other semester too it was hot bullshit oh my god oh jeez. So um you don't actually yeah, have now, the experience of it you ugh. yeah yeah i don't i don't uh I don't know. And then I had to do school as like an older person too. Like I had to go to school. Like all my college age years were wasted in the military. So I had to go to school in my late twenties and that like with like 18 year olds and stuff like that. And that's, that was like, it's rage inducing. Uh, it's rage. It's rage inducing. And, Cause like, and like school had changed so much from, when I'd last gone to school and everyone had like lapped, like it, no one was like paying attention. Like you could just like go to school and play on a laptop for the whole time and not really pay attention to what's going on. And that counted as going to class, I guess. And <laughs> I was like, Oh wow. The good old days. Yeah. Like this is different from, uh, when I remember going to school last, but, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't, at least I didn't have to like teach those people. So that was, um, those people, I like that. Those, those people, the the people who aren't paying it. Like I can't, I don't know. And then everyone like thought I might have. I don't know. I I think I felt like people thought I was dumb because I was like, oh, it's it's school at that age, you know. It's like, like what'd you do with your life? Now you're, 
How, why are you here? What do you do? <laughs> why are any of us here? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, um, yeah, school. I don't, man, I don't, I don't miss, I don't really miss it, but it did teach me some very important fundamentals of like how to write music. I can, I can say that for certain. I could definitely tell. So good job. Thank you. Good job for that. Yay, school. Yeah, that, I think that was all stemming from, well, what's my background? That's my background. I think okay. that's, I thoroughly answered that. Like You really did. Good job. I went around and then, <laughs> like, and got some extra points because I still need a real degree. <laughs> um, so you talked a little bit earlier about the the nexus of Dusk Incarnate. Um, so is the cyberpunk dystopian kind of genre is that really something that you really dig or you really it's like is it sci-fi horror what's kind of your yeah um i think sci-fi is post-apocalyptic and then uh dystopias that kind of thing they always got like i like that i'm not i'm not too big on horror um like i know it's a lot of like it's pretty big in the synthwave world is to be a big fan of sci-fi and horror and those things are like hmm, those are okay things but those aren't like you know mostly what i'm into but i do have like a soft spot in my heart for certain things like um like akira and blade runner and those types of things so that, that i'm not really a whole lot different in that, that sense where i like i like those things quite a bit because those are like those are parts of like my my like uh you know growing up like like most people in their, you know, whatever thirties who, uh, uh, like, like the things that are from the late eighties and the nineties, those, those kind of like, like, I remember like one of my favorite movies as a kid was the, uh, the Sylvester Stallone classic demolition, man. I fucking love that movie. It's an amazing amazing movie. So of course you should love that. Taco Bell won the franchise wars. I mean, Lord I knows taken, I can use a burrito. <laughs> yeah. It was so strange because my parents didn't like me seeing any amount of nudity, but I could see any, they would take me to see so many rated R movies. Oh yeah. As long as I had Sylvester Stallone in it, you know, that was fine. You know, a, a rated R movie, uh, a rated R movie, whatever. But at the second there's a boob on screen, I gotta I gotta close my eyes. But any anything other than that, I was I was allowed to see all this stuff. But I remember just like Demolition Man, I I like how the world before this uh, this this dystopia government took over was like encased in glass and like there's like museums for the old yeah. world and that kind of thing. <laughs> I I I just that kind of stuff really stuck out to me. So that um, I always kind of like. I like that stuff, you know, RoboCop, of course, um, those kind of things where it's uh, the world is clearly changed and gone in a really weird, awry direction. I like that kind of stuff. I, so I wanted to create something that did did that maybe not as, you know, I didn't like try to create anything new. I just tried, tried to pay homage to things I already liked. So listening that, to, to Dusk Incarnate, there's something very specific that comes to mind. A very specific movie. It's a Van Damme movie. Cyborg. Oh, Cyborg. Oh. Um, you know what movie I like? Um, Van Damme. Let's see. It's um, it's Van Damme and 
Dolph Lundgren as a Universal Soldier, right? Is yeah. That, am I thinking the right movie? Yes, yeah. you got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's uh, Cyborg's a good one too. Um, I don't think I thought of that when I was making this, but is now it? I can. Now I can. Um, you know, we can just edit that out, and then I can <laughs> seem like a genius. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like uh, just with some of the narration in the in the album, like it, it just to me had the heavy like cyborg vibes yeah i i'm gonna have to look at cyborg again because i um it's been such a long time i think i haven't seen that movie since i was a kid um and you know i was going to say it had like very heavy three seashell (laughs) (laughs) like overtones to it yeah um don't know how to use the three seashells yeah how do you use them which (laughs) what type of what type of scraping is involved here this is disgusting it might be more of a pinch than a scrape (laughs) i know what is it what is it um it really always that drove me nuts as a kid like but then i you know i love the cussing uh things that you know you you just you know you just go up to like sylvester stallone doesn't care and he walks up to the machine and just starts cursing into it and then he gets all the citations and he's like there you go i don't care you know that was cool i always thought that was awesome that was fun and then they had, use them uh, appropriately afterwards <laughs> right wesley snipes is a fantastic bad guy in that movie oh i think God. dennis leary shows up at one point he does um, jesse venture they're eating in rats in the sewer yeah. yeah yeah i love demolition man um yeah, that, I kind of, I just, that kind of stuff, I think that just stuck with me for like, like childhood. Like I never got into sci-fi. Now I'm getting into sci-fi. Now I'm like, now I can actually, like I'm watching Star Trek The Next Generation and I'm actually enjoying it because I've never really sat down as an adult and like watched this stuff. I'm like, man, this is like really tightly crafted uh, television, but I never like, I never appreciated it as growing up or anything. Um so all this dystopian stuff, I, I would like, I, when I was a kid, I would draw like uh, the like little stick figure men fighting in the post-apocalypse. I would love like the Terminator, Termi- Terminator 2. She's going to uh, go for that, yeah. Was like my, that was, that was my jam as a kid. I, I as much as that, like the, like Terminator was like, came out a little bit before I was born. So Terminator 2 as a kid little kid in the nineties was like, that was perfect. That was a perfect movie for, cause you got, you got, you following Ed Furlong as a kid and you're like, Oh man, I, I want a robot buddy to, to shoot things. You know, that'd be awesome. And a motorcycle and a, not and a motorcycle. And to go to yeah. An arcade and... I was just it's really a surprisingly great haircut. kids movie. Terminator <laughs> 2. A kid's fantasy, like, maybe. Definitely. Yeah, it's a kid's fantasy. I'm gonna have my, I'm gonna have a cyborg robot buddy. That'd be fucking awesome. I would love to have a cyborg robot buddy. If I had a cyborg <laughs> robot buddy, no one would ever mess with me. You know, like like I have Arnold Schwarzenegger to like to like punch him right in the face. Or, <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, you get to teach him how to swear. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah, you get to teach your robot buddy how to swear. You get to teach him cool catchphrases of the time. That are clearly not dated at all anyway. Not um, Chill out no. dickwad will never go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um he he and then he has an arch nemesis that's another robot. That's cool. Like there's nothing not cool about the Terminator the Terminator 2. It's it's uh kudos to James Cameron for making a, the perfect action movie for kids. By accident. 
by accident. I, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about how that movie was made, other than um, <laughs> like some of the behind the scenes uh, stuff. You I, see. I don't think it even matters because you'd probably be mad if you found out like really what's going on. Because he always has, has some sort of like lofty, like you know, anti-fascism, anti like you know, like corporation kind of thing themes going on in all his movies. I mean. Avatar, for God's sake, so... Oh, yeah, Avatar was, like, hitting you over the head that this is... This is Ferngully 2, the revenge. <laughs> um, the revenge. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. I, I gotta ask, uh, then. So we're talking Schwarzenegger, we're talking Stallone. Now, yeah. head-to-head as a kid, did you have a particular favorite? Was um, it- I was always partial to Stallone because Rocky Four is, like... Okay, so Rocky Four, I think that came out. That came out like the year I was born, but uh, but I would watch that movie a lot, like when it because it was always on like TNT or TBS or whatever uh, cable in the nineties, right? And and I, you know, like like my parents because we had my mom convinced us that we were Italian. We're not <laughs> Italian at all. We're just. <laughs> We're just light-skinned people with black hair, and uh, so <laughs> so as like Italian stallion, you know, like okay, I want to be like Stallone. Yeah, I'm gonna like Stallone. So Stallone was more like my favorite because I don't, I can't relate to the like the Austrianness of Schwarzenegger. So I I, I thought you know because my family was quote unquote Italian, we're not. Um, uh, that you know, okay, I'm gonna be I like Stallone and. And, uh, so I, I like, I think, and I think I like more Stallone movies. I like Rambo more than, uh, like Commando, you know, uh, I, I like, I like the bad Rambo movies. I like Rambo's two and three and they're not good. I love them. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if um, Commando's the upper echelon of <laughs> cinema either, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, it's true. Um, and. <laughs> like, who do we get for a bad guy? Just like a fat guy. Throw him in a. Chainmail tank top, give him a big mustache. It's real evil. That's yeah. how you do it. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I gotta say, um, it's, it's Stallone. Even the, even the weird, like the movies where he's just kind of phoning it in, like Cliffhanger. Um, I fucking love Cliffhanger. Where he's just like, like going on a paid vacation and filming it. Like that is, um, I love that. I even like those movies. So. I got to give it to Stallone. Okay. That, I mean, that's fair. You have valid reasons. When was the yeah. Italian thing debunked? Yeah. The what thing debunked? Your the, Italian yeah, your thing. Italian oh, um, 23andMe told me all about that. Ah. And did so you my, break it to your yeah, mom? Yeah, my mom, uh, my mom was convinced that she's Italian, and I'm like, we're not Italian. I don't think we are, because I looked up our, her last name, or like her maiden name. And it's Portuguese, and I'm like, "Mom, I have some bad news for you. I think we're Portuguese." <laughs> um, so we're like, we have dark skin because we're we're Native American too. Um, so that's in there. So that's probably why we have black hair and like t- very tan skin is because we're f- significantly Native American, but we're also Portuguese. So I mean, that's pretty um, cool. Yeah. So that's you know, but I'm mostly I'm mostly Scandinavian. Let's again go back to Larson. That's the right. super Scandinavian last name. So I'm half Scandinavian, and um, 
the rest of me, the rest of me is like Portuguese and Native American and all that business. But yeah, I told my mom like 23 of me said we're like not we're like zero percent Italian, and they got like a list for any Italian you could possibly be, and we're not any of it. I'm not. And therefore, your mom's not. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm, and I'm half you, mom. So guess what? Oh my god! Guess what? You're not. And that kind of I think she felt like sad because she always I think she, but that's that's the kind of thing you had to in if you weren't Hispanic. Uh, in so growing up in in the seventies, if you weren't Hispanic, um, you had to identify with the Italian. Or you had to, if you weren't white and you weren't Hispanic, you had to identify with the Italian people. If you had dark hair, that's kind of like a weird a weird loop back to like like old timey racism and uh, and the way like the world worked in the seventies, where you had to like you had to like associate by a, a racial. St- standard or something and, and so they just clinged on to the italian thing but they're not italian at all so it's there's no point i don't know i'm not going to keep up the facade with my kid like yeah kid we're italian like i have no reason i personally have no reason to say i'm italian and i that kind of stuff drives me nuts anyway like i'm american as hell that's what i am i am there is no other combination of people that could be me but american like i am super duper American because like how could you be you know an eighth Apache and half Scandinavian other than being an American like that is that is what I I don't like when people are like I'm Italian but they've never been to Italy or uh, <laughs> you're I'm, not Italian. you know I'm British I'm British and I've, you, you, yeah, I totally can tell by your accent you're you totally ne- British you never <laughs> shit the queen <laughs> yes <laughs> um yeah so that kind of stuff I like I, I like I don't have a lot of uh ties to heritage even though i do i wrote spirit death was like an homage to my my native american heritage because i kind of grew up with that as like a kid um in arizona like growing up in in uh, winslow arizona uh, i grew up with a lot of hopi and apache and navajo culture as a kid um and that turns out to be like my actual culture so that was like the closest thing i got to like roots of my culture other than just being, you know, a white kid in America. So I was like, okay, right. that's, I want to make an album about that. So I did. Um, and I want to revisit it at some point, but, you know, otherwise, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ever write an, a, a, you know, I'm not going to ever write an Italio disco album and like heritage into like, to my fake roots. Oh my God. Of Italian. Can you create uh, an Italian alter ego though? Yeah, I probably should. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what it be, what it would be is like uh, to like to like uh, to like be tongue in cheek enough to be noticeable like I'm doing something like I'm doing a bit. I don't. I'd have to think about that. Um, that'd be fun though. I'm just saying. And then uh, I could send. I could. Uh, I could have it mastered by Vincenzo Salvia, and he he could give me the Italian stamp of approval on it. Your next album is planned. You're welcome. Pla- yes, it's planned. It's in the works right now. <laughs> um, Italia Disco Masterpiece. Um, gonna gonna pay homage to my to my Italian roots. <laughs> to, your, to your rocky roots. <laughs> yeah, very my very genuine Italian roots. Got a a love um, letter to Sly Stallone. Yeah. Uh, all the all the all the songs will be about pasta and pizza. You know, real Italian things. Obviously. I mean, not, 
that speaks to me. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Like, yeah, who's going to do the food album? Oh, my God. Yeah, somebody should do a food. That used to be, I liked, you know, I liked Synthwave when the controversy was like pineapple on pizza. That was a lot more, that was that was back <laughs> in the day when things were a lot more, more uh, uh, simple. Yeah. Simple is just like when when the t- Twitter beef was all about um, putting pineapple on pizza, and and uh, um, I don't know you could you could post you could post a a picture from the '80s and no one had seen it a million times like that was awesome. What's Those your were the stance days on it? Way. Yeah, what's your stance on pineapple? And on pizza? what stance on what pineapple on pizza? Pineapple on pizza? Uh, I'll eat it. I don't care. I'm not picky. I have a, I have the palate of a child, though, so don't. So don't you are picky then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you. Yeah, when I hear that, it, I hear super picky. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I will. I, I don't know. See, I got I got used to military food, and I got you could you just have to eat whatever when you're hungry and just get <laughs> used to it. Here's some cardboard. Eat it. Here's some cardboard. Uh, MREs are close to cardboard. They're pretty bad. Yeah. Like not all of them, but there's um, there's some flavors, man. They're mm-hmm. they were rough. Like uh, omelet. Omelet was the worst. <laughs> yeah. Omelet flavor. Omelet flavor, and it was like they you Came know a packet. they package the stuff to last for like half a decade. So you're eating eggs that are way past the time that you should be eating eggs. That you can eat them, but it's not, it's not a pleasant have. experience. <laughs> uh, my Growing up, my uncle was in the military, and the, the big surprise and the happy thing was he would bring the MREs to my brother and I, and we thought that they were the coolest thing because like they had the little the thing to heat up the food. Yeah, they got the, the little um, the bag. So for people that don't know, MREs have this cool little green bag. And inside this green bag is a little packet of magnesium powder. And this and it doesn't and, and what you do is you pour water into this magnesium powder and it heats up because magnesium and water creates a heat chemical reaction. And so you use you just pour a little bit of your canteen water into this green bag and um, it starts to uh, create heat and you put in your food in there and the idea is that you you heat up your cold, disgusting MRE food, and you make it into warm, disgusting MRE food. <laughs> um, so those, uh, those, that was, a, that was, I, I, I actually did enjoy the novelty of MREs the first few times, like in basic training. Like that was good. That was like, man, this is, like, we get a little package of meals because I. At that time, like I, like I was like 20 when I joined the army, and I hadn't been eating very well on my own. Like I had, I had like two jobs, and I barely had any money and barely any food. And so, like eating like packaged meals out in the field, oh, that's is, this is really really cool. You get Skittles sometimes. That's neat. <laughs> yeah, you get a treat. Yeah, you get peanut butter and uh, like, man, it's really gross how we ate cop. Like we just just would eat like. So to has a pick me up. We'd save the little coffee packets. Um, I don't think this was like a universal thing across the army. So don't like think that all soldiers do this. But like like me and my guys, like we would just sort of save the coffee packets and then just 
eat the coffee packets when we were um, feeling drowsy because we had to, like, you know, pull guard duty in the middle of the night. And so you just you, you just pop a coffee packet of dried uh, <laughs> dry grounds. instant coffee. Oh, no mixing God. required. You just you just eat the coffee. Yeah, the saliva does it. It does it. It makes a nice little, uh, very concentrated cup of coffee in your mouth, and then you're, you're, it's like an espresso. Right. You just cut out the middle yes. then in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Forget forget preparing food. Just ingest it immediately. The 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 most disgusting way po- you can possibly do it. Um, that was I. I don't know. I have a weird. I'm. That's my. That's my nostalgia. I get. I'm getting nostalgic just thinking about uh, all those dumb things we used to do as soldiers. Um. <laughs> oh, the good old days. The good old days. So looping back around to more, uh, I guess, appropriate, not appropriate, but like relevant subject. We're talking, you know, synthwave. How did you get into? synthwave the scene like what was the 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 way you got into it so i had been into so i've been in electronic music since uh since i was a teenager and you weren't allowed to like techno because techno was gay and you had to like (laughs) um you had you as as a teenage boy in the 90s you had to like punk or metal um if you lived in the suburbs at least that was the rules i remember so this is pre like rap takeover then uh yeah, like right before rap start, like like right before, like right around that, like you know, mid nineties, late nineties. Um, so I was into like, so I liked stuff like Chemical Brothers and Fatboy Slim. Um, those were kind of like my things, and then I kind of like I started branching out, and then I learned about Daft Punk, and I I was like, oh okay, I know these songs somehow. I've already known about these songs, and these songs are like, like, uh. Uh, like de- like the funk like i'd heard like uh, by i i learned about like daft punk in a roundabout way because like by the time homework came out um uh or not homework uh discovery came out by daft punk i'd already like i didn't realize i already knew a bunch of daft punk songs from homework like uh like the, like the funk like that right. that song from homework is like just like and the music videos like I'd known all these music videos I'm like ah so I I started getting into Daft Punk and then Daft Punk led to Justice and Justice led to Kavinsky and Kavinsky Kavinsky gave me a road to um all kinds of guys on the Ed Banger label in the mid 2000s like um Mr. Loizo and uh Boys Noise, uh, that kind of uh, that kind of like French electro sound. Like I wanted, I kept looking for like a like a more aggressive, angrier, heavier electronic sound, and I kept getting like I kept getting it with these French artists. Like like Danger Danger was like a revelation to me. I was like, this is so like Justice Justice was like like okay, that's a little bit harder version of Daft Punk, and then. Then to me, Danger was like a harder version of Justice. And then, um, then when I discovered Perturbator, uh, I was like, "Oh wow, okay, this is this is where I'd want to go." Because I actually had I had made electronic music um, and tried to do it. Like uh, I had a project way back when, and people people can Google this. Um, 
and they're going to have a hard time finding any of it because I tried to scrub as much of it as I could from the internet. <laughs> but I used to have a thing called the Suit Ink, and that was like in the 2000s. I I tried to like try to to like take all my electronic music knowledge and apply it to like uh, to an album. And I wrote a bunch of that album while I was like I was uh, while I was stuck in Iraq. I was just I was sitting there in Iraq, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on music since I've like I'd work all day and then I just don't have anything else to do. So I built the computer and uh, worked on music when I wasn't working. Uh, and uh, but yeah, that electronic music uh, from it was really a lot of a lineage of French artists that brought me to to synthwave. And it was still French synthwave artists that brought me into the world. We like like once once hotline Miami came out, like a whole new world had opened up to me of like what, what could be done with electronic music and it could be harder and more aggressive than I ever, um, ever even dreamed of. So I was like, that's where I think this, that's the kind of, I want to make music like that. And so it's not like it was, uh, I don't think it was like a very unique journey. I think a lot of other people in Synthwave, like, you know, by the time Hotline Miami came out, like they, they, if they hadn't been doing something, like they wanted to because of that, like one video game, like one video yeah. game launched a, like I don't know if a video game, another video game has launched that many music projects, um, than Hotline Miami and Hotline, like, like if, if not Hotline Miami, then Hotline Miami 2 is probably a good runner up of like launching, launching music projects. But once, once I'd, like, once I'd heard, like I tried to figure out um, a lot of like how they were making music on these. Like I was trying to figure out how Justice made music, and then it turns I, it was like kind of a bummer because Justice uses a lot of samples. They 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 make music, but they kind of just sample stuff. And that was a lot of these French uh, electro artists were like they would sample stuff, and so I tried to figure out how they did it, and it was just kind of a lot of messing around in Ableton and not really like creating music the way I know how to create music now. Um, they just, you know, they would sample stuff and then they'd write a really cool, they'd write a cool bass line, but a lot of it relied on samples of other work. And unless you had a lot of access to um, sample clearance, you can't really release any of this material, like legally, um, or if you do it successfully, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. Right. So I learned, I learned how to make music in Ableton the way the French guys did. And then I got bummed out that a lot of it is just samples and you can't do it unless you have like a major label behind you who can get a hold of other major labels to clear all that stuff. So, uh, that's, that was a, there was a long road to get to, to Synthwave, and it all makes sense now, but like uh, looking it, it, in the midst of it, you know, uh, in, uh, maybe say 2012, like before hotline Miami came out and I was into, um, like the bloody beat roots bloody beat roots is one of my favorite acts still and i really enjoyed how uh he's not he's one of the exceptions he wasn't french i think he's italian but it's still all these like european people making this like really heavy dark electronic music that isn't uh rave music or just strictly edm uh dubstep any of that kind of thing and that was that's what got me into synthwave is that kind of stuff 
the harder electro stuff. And I, th- I feel like that's the, for me, that's the roots of what synthwave. I feel like synthwave was like a natural progression of that and like industrial music, kind of like meeting up and fusing together. And the, at least on the darker side, yeah. the lighter side is very much more we're retro centric and trying to recreate the sounds of a different era. But to me, like dark synth side is like a natural progression of really heavy, heavy, dark electro and um, industrial music kind of fusing together into this one uh, new thing. Yeah. And that's where that's where I feel like I sort of like, you know, jumped on board. It was like, OK, I want to do something that's pushes that idea forward. So I, I I try. So that's what I try to do now. I would definitely say as a person who enjoys the music, but who doesn't make it, my path into it is pretty much exactly the same as your journey to Synthwave and what it is for you right now. But like me, all the same artist, all the same time, all these things. The only other thing I could throw in there would be, you know, in addition to Hotline Miami, would be Drive, of course. Yeah. And drive. I've only seen that. I saw that once after, like after, well after, like I think it was two. I didn't even watch it until like two years ago. I'm way late on the drive. Wow. Um, train. I never. Uh, I just saw the memes posted about. It. I'm like, what is this movie about? Like, I don't even know what this is about. All I know is it looks cool. That's it. Drive for me was. Drive in the intersection of Synthwave was accidental because I li- I really liked Nicholas Winding Refn before Drive because I'd seen Bronson and I'd seen Valhalla Rising and, and part of the Pushy tr- Pusher trilogy. So like I'm like, this dude is my dude. Um, and then he made Drive, which was like, at the time I was really kind of confused because I'm like, this isn't like his other stuff. I mean, it is. In, in hindsight now it, it very much is but it was just this happy kind of like i wanted to see this movie anyways and then it was like everything that i'd hoped music could be and wished it would be right there because like that makes that does make i mean that that it's an the soundtrack is it is definitely like quintessentially what a lot of people are going for i think yeah. And just the uh, cinematic sound in the general sense, because you're saying, you know, like dark synth has a particular roots. Uh, and I think to add into what you're talking about is like the cinematic score sound. Cause like you throw John Carpenter in there as a, as oh, absolutely, another, yeah. or Vangelis. And so it's not necessarily just kind of like normal song structures. It's more of a, you know, movements and, and, you know, just things that are a little more, you know, take you on a journey as opposed to like very typical song structures, pop song structures, etc. Yeah, creating atmospheres and moods, um, uh, like 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 Escape from New York. As um, if we're talking like John Carpenter, like I think that's my favorite John Carpenter soundtrack. I know there's ones that are um, more popular than that one but i really like that soundtrack um to that film in particular because it's so it it makes that it makes that movie so much like the soundtrack changes that movie because it's very silly 
It's a very goofy movie. <laughs> but the soundtrack makes it seem a lot more serious than it really is. And it's very much like a, a, like a campy kind of movie. Those Escape from New York, Escape from New York uh, doesn't showcase its campiness as much as Escape from L.A. Yeah, that one really does. Um, yeah, that's which like I still I love. I love that movie, and it's, it's it's ridiculous. But you can't you can't enjoy it as like like serious cinema. It is goofy, goofy, ridiculous ass cinema, and yeah. that's fine. Well, it's like um, Escape from New York is more like it's self serious, but not to the point of being like arrogant or pretentious like it, it like it's a very serious it's like i think you're absolutely right with like the score really like tonally shifts it to being like shit is going down we're in danger like this is some serious shit where it's, it's like, very yeah it's it creates that mood and atmosphere of like okay this is an infiltration mission this is this is you know snake is he's a real guy you know, he's not this ridiculous <laughs> caricature of a, a human being. He's a real not guy at all. And he's going in, he's going into New York and he's going to save the president. You know, that's okay. Got it. It's, and, but the, the, the entire premise is completely insane and ridiculous, but that's okay because, you know, John Carpenter knew how to, knew how to, he wanted, he knew how to put together a story and then he was able to put music on top of it that made it seem so, um, like like stuff that's going on is urgent and serious and and uh, grounded for some even with synths I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that that's pretty much a through line with you know any of the well, I mean, he pretty much scores all of his movies, but like there's certain movies of his that the scores are more prevalent than other movies of his and I think like Escape from New York is a, is a really prime example where it's like when you watch the thing, do you really think of the score as much? I don't think of the score in the thing at all. Right. I think exactly. of the dog thing, thing. Right. I don't know the thing. Do you just yeah. call it things the thing? Yeah. You know the things that the happen thing. with the things with the and they're sprouting other things and they're crawling around. Yeah, I think of the. I think of this. I think of the the um. The uh, the props are probably a, the thing. Right. More than the music. Am I crazy for thinking that the most unrealistic part about Escape from New York is that Snake has a scope on the Uzi or the Mac-10 or whatever <laughs> he has in the movie where it's totally unusable, but it still has it anyways? I mean, it's cool, sure, but that's probably the most unbelievable part of that movie for me. I don't even think... You know what? I can't believe... I. I... I've watched this movie not that long ago too, and I can't believe that's something I don't like. I don't think I, I like questioned it for some reason. That's that's how that's how much I get shouldn't. sucked into that movie. You shouldn't. You just go with it's it. It's like Snake's such a badass. Of course, this is something you'd have. There would be no questioning. To yeah, it. he's so Although, So I will say I do notice the the very so Rambo. Uh, Rambo 2, when they gear him up in the very beginning of Rambo 2, I can say that they, it, like it's he's geared up to an almost silly extent, and then he loses all his gear trying to get out of the plane. But the gear that he has, like, like the stuff that they give him, like is like way over encumbering anyway. Like I couldn't imagine like somebody like 
he was not, he's supposed to be on a reconnaissance mission and they gave him like way too much gear. And then of course it gets caught up in the plane and he has to rely on having a knife and nothing else for the rest of the movie. But it's like, man, that is, that is way too much stuff for a reconnaissance mission. The dude should have like binoculars and a notepad and like a, a sidearm and that's it. You know, like why, why did they give him all this stuff to prove that he doesn't need it? <laughs> I think you just gave away the plot of Rambo. Yeah, I gave away the, the yeah, I gave away the gave away what I answered my own question. Yeah, yeah. You need a twelve-inch Bowie knife. It might have been bigger than that. It's it was basically a machete. It was twenty-four inches. <laughs> it's a sword, but we'll call it a knife. Yeah, that's. I think that's the brilliance of John Carpenter movies is the um, how he can take very very ridiculous premises and make them seem grounded and realistic, at least real enough to the suspension of disbelief. You can go along with it and you can go, okay, this is, this is the world and how it's working. And there's something brilliant about that. And I don't think this, I think the scores and depending on which movie you think of, um, I think they play a big part in that. Oh, absolutely. He's the, he's the all in all in one kind of, artist director. genius director whatever yeah. you want to call it like you know because you also think of like like prince of darkness like i think that film score is very like to me pops out um and and i just i i mean how he's just this john carpenter it's who else is doing that shit and and you're right though like i think and maybe it's because the budget is so shitty yeah. <laughs> that you like just this, had to do it all. You had to do it, and you take it very seriously. But like he did build very believable worlds. Like I legitimately, I mean, I haven't seen Escape from New York in a while. But like from what I remember, the, the hellscape of New York prison seemed very believable to me. It's real enough for the. I mean, he made the world make sense. Uh, isn't Isaac Hayes the bad guy in that one? Um, or is it Keith? Where David? he's the the kingpin of the underground world, and he's the one holding the president hostage in the 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 dungeon of whatever New York. Uh, that movie's so ridiculous. It's great. It's great. The whole thing's insane. And that's that's what I want to do for. Our, we're doing something like that on our next album. We're taking in. We're taking an insane. Like like Dusk Incarnate was kind of like just a. An idea of like, okay, what if just this dystopian cyberpunk world and take it very, very seriously, um, but kind of make music that fits along in that that world. And took and and uh, this next album we're working on is very. Um, we took. I made an idea that's very, very silly, and we're gonna we're gonna take that very silly idea and play it very straight. Um, there you go. As being like an homage to to like uh, classic horror. I'll say that much. I, I don't want to say too much about it because we're still working on it, but we got guys who um, we're working with musicians who are, um, they mostly, the music they make is very well made, but it's very funny. And we didn't know how to like, they wanted to work with me and I'm like, I don't know how to make funny songs, but what if we just took a silly idea and made it very serious? That's kind of like splitting the difference. So that's what we're doing on our next thing. Is, so you're working I don't with know Weird how, Al. Say again? <laughs> yeah, we're working with Weird Al. Uh, announcing it now. 
uh, got him on board. He's very, very generous to work with me, yeah. and I appreciate his uh, his guidance and wisdom work through ethic. this process. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you hear you heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking news. Uh, so you know. You're talking about collaborating with other artists, and and you you have a lot of collaborations on Dusk Incarnate. Did those come about naturally? Did you seek people out? Did they seek you out? I mean, I I sought out every single one of them. So all the seven, well, I'll say one of them was somebody locally. Um, so Nova and the Ghost, she wanted to work. She was somebody that just wanted to work on an L.A. Arson album. She heard. Um, she heard uh, she's a big fan of Dead Horizons from Rights of the Damned. She's a really big fan of that track of ours. And that's a track that we did with Reapers. Uh, I don't know if they've done anything since we've like since 2018, but they're um, they're this there's duo from Pennsylvania. And anyway, uh, Paige, who goes by Nova and the Ghost, she wanted to do a. Uh, a song with me so she sought me out on that but i i'm the one who uh gave i wrote the track and then gave it to her and then kind of and then she came in my studio and then worked on singing the song and put it put it together so that one was more of um like her seeking me out and then i i i, I put a bow on that one but uh the rest of them i sought them all out i sought everybody out because i wanted to work with nigel aka the encounter he was he was somebody that I saw as um like really pushing the boundaries of what you could do as a producer in the scene and he was somebody who was like a t- t- taught a lot of people I think based on his youtube views i could I, you could probably argue that he taught a lot of people how to make dark synth at all um and so i I met him back in I think 2017 in New York. Um, I just decided to go to New York all of a sudden, just for fun. Um, and I've met him at Nightwave, uh, the, night, the synthwave event yeah. there. And uh, he knew who I was, but he's like, are you from Kansas or something? <laughs> uh, close. Close. I'm from Colorado, and I'm just out here for fun. Uh, but yeah, Nigel, uh, somebody that I wanted to work with for a long time. Um, Facehugger. Uh, I wanted to work with him for a long time. Like, uh, he's one of the people that supported me when it was just me by myself. So I wanted to make something with him for a long time. And he's kind of like taking like a hiatus from social media and all that stuff. I hope he comes back. He probably will. Um, Occam's Laser was a, a kill all music friend who I had already known before I was uh, affiliated with kill all music. And so I wanted to work with him because his music is amazing. Some of like the quintessential dark synth, uh, synthwave uh, music out there. So I was like, if I could work with him, that'd be cool. So like, I just put out all these. I just put out notes to all these people, like even like Megan. I was like, hey Megan, would you like to make a song? Hey, um, uh, hey Tom, Occam's Laser, would you like to make a song? And I just asked. I just. The, the key to, to collaboration is just asking. You just ask. And the worst case is say no. I got a lot of people. I still, I, I have more people have told me no um, <laughs> than people have told me yes. But that probably will change. I hope that changes after this album. Yeah. But I don't like take it personally. I'm just like, 
you know, people saying they're busy is usually the nice way of saying no. And I'm okay with that. Uh, it's just, I'll ask again later, you know, like the worst thing they can do is say no. And and then maybe they'll hate you if you ask too many times, but I've asked people and like, I, I appreciate the, the I'm busy answer as opposed to not getting an answer. Cause that feels terrible. Yeah. Oh, I hate, Oh, I hate that so much. Cause you, you put yourself out there you give, cause I don't, when I ask somebody to work on a song, I at least give them something. So anybody who wants to collaborate with people, the best here's your best practices that I've learned is that what you do is you write something that is at least past halfway finished, at least is like a, like an idea that somebody else could pick up and run with. And you say to that person, Hey, I am a fan of your work. You should be a fan of what they do. You shouldn't just like, like if they're the new, if they're the hot thing at the moment, just don't, don't go up to somebody because that's like, know what they do and uh, know like their background and, what they're about and give them something that's kind of appropriate for them to work on, or you think in your mind would be appropriate for them to work on and just ask, just give them, give them here's I'm a, I'm a fan of what you do. I like your work. I have a song that I would like to work on with you. Here's a file. Um, and it's, it's just an idea and I hope you have a great day. And that, that got, you know, that kind of, ethic has gotten me every single collaboration I've ever had has just been, I've got an idea. Would you like to work with me? Um, and you get a yes or a no. That's it. Yeah. It's kind of what we do. We ask, <laughs> okay. You yeah, say yeah. yes or no. And that's, would just you like a... to be on our show? Uh, no. Okay. Well, okay. go to hell. You know, like, <laughs> We're shooting our um, shot here. Yeah. <laughs> no, this, I think, I don't, yeah, I, this is the first podcast I've, this is the first music podcast I've been on. I've been on comedy podcasts before as like a fun thing, but that was like, it's like very specifically just one podcast. It's a very, very specific audience for that podcast. And I've never actually been on a podcast to talk about, I've tried, I, Andy last, get back to me, man. I, I keep messaging you and you never return my calls, man. What's he's busy. going on? Yeah, he's busy. He's a busy guy. <laughs> he's a busy guy. He's busy, and that's the nice answer. Um Is that is that oh is that wrong of me to to plead to Andy Last to put me on a show on your show? Is that I, I is that rude? Really I mean being care. a rude guest. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's it's I'm all sorry. good. Uh, uh and I think, you know, uh, I think he does seasons. I'm not really sh- other people do their their show lineups and then what they everything differently. And I think like he does Beyond Synth and um and then um the Night Ride FM they they do it in blocks. So I mean maybe maybe he but he might be too busy having Ollie Ride on again. Yeah, um that's okay, you know. One day we'll be recognized by the Canadian Lord of Podcasts of Synthwave, but you know that's okay. I'll. Uh, your podcast has been a great experience so far. How long does this run? Am I running over time? Are we good? Are we within the the we, parameters of your normal runtime? We don't really have a time per se. It, okay, it that's goes, great. It goes however long it goes. Yeah, go, exactly. So it's right. an hour. Sometimes it's like two and a half hours. It just depends. 
Right, well, you guys are fun to talk to. This is a fun, <laughs> this is a fun free format of just I can, I can say my th- my thoughts into a microphone, um, and and be talking to two people who are, who are nice to talk to. So I, this is I appreciate that. I, I appreciate the the MRE knowledge. And <laughs> yeah, I feel there is lots of good information for our listeners out of this. So tell, tell me more about this comedy thing oh yeah um okay so i i've appeared on i've appeared on uh here let me give you a slight background and like so i tried to do comedy for a while it didn't quite work out um like i just tried stand-up for a while and it wasn't uh i don't know it's way harder than you you, (laughs) you think uh, so, sorry, I'm getting a phone call. Let me, let me tell this person I am in an interview. I'm in an interview right now. I'm important. Get okay. them on the show. <laughs> on the show. God. I'm in- <laughs> okay. So I tried comedy for a long time and then I kind of just gave it up. I'm like, ah, this is, this is silly. I'm not going to really do anything with this. Um, and then, um, so I used to listen to a show called The Biggest Problem in the Universe. And that show ran for a hundred and uh, some odd episodes. I can't remember the exact amount. And it had a host. Uh, it was a guy named Maddox. Internet's uh, one of the first internet uh, satirists, if you want to say that. And then a guy named Dick Masterson. And they would do they do a podcast and they just argue at each other and I was just a fan and I never really sent I never sent in anything I was never involved with that show and then they split up and then they had a huge drama um, and then Maddox sued uh, Dick Masterson and he sued a bunch of people associated Damn. with the show and so I came up with some content to um, kind of uh, help out with one of the person's expenses with their law lawsuit and we created a billboard charting album um out of it and the comedy charts so so when you say so when i say uh billboard charting artist um that's what i'm talking about i charted i'm a i'm a billboard charting producer just not on the electronic charts yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i'll take it it still counts it still I counts, counts for the rest yeah. of my life yeah and it's awesome I, I I appreciate it's very strange because the uh so yeah Dick Masterson runs a show called The Dick Show and it's it's very funny but it's also like it's like sometimes like edgy to the point where I'm like okay I've had enough I had my fill I had my fill of edgy edgy weird internet stuff for now but uh it's um there's there's a whole comedy world to the stuff that I have uh, done in the past, and I was still L.A. Arson by myself when I would um, produce content for this show. Um, and so uh, we got an opportunity to play for the... They do a live show every once in a while. We got an opportunity to do that uh, last year in Las Vegas. So that was cool. Um, but we're we're so serious. Like, people, people were very nice and uh, receptive to us, but I had no idea how it was going to go down because... You know, we're not funny. We're not trying to be funny at all. And we got this crowd. We got this crowd where it's like, um, you know, it's it's like edge lords on the internet. 
And I'm like, oh, God, what am I getting? I don't know if I'm just going to get booed off stage or what's going to happen. And they're very nice. They're very nice. It was not a crowd where I'd expect to be nice at all. Um, but they're very nice people in person. Uh, but online, they're kind of terrors and monsters. And I try to st- I just try to stay out of their way um, uh, as much as possible because of the absolute nightmare they can be They'll There are people. So sometimes I'll get somebody on Twitter, like giving me shit. And it's, it's somebody from that fan base. And I'm like, ah, what have I done? I've, I'm just, I touched <laughs> I my toe. Yeah. I tip, I dipped my toe into the waters of this show and I'll never be rid of it. So I might as well just own up to the part, you know, like I'm, I've been a part of the dick show and I'm not really, I'm not ashamed of it. It's just like, it's hard to explain to people because it's been a, it's been a show that's been running on internet drama for the better part of four years now, I think. Um, And then there's another podcast before that podcast that you have to listen to as a primer to understand why the feud happened in the first place. So there's a whole, there's a whole um, uh, lore to a show podcast world that I've been a part of. And I'm a part of that lore. I can't, I'm, inextractable from it at this point at least i'm a little ancillary character to all the nonsense that has ever happened and sometimes i'll still submit like a song like i've i've submitted like um like comedic raps and things like that to that show in the past and um i don't know how well they're received but they play them because <laughs> i can't hear that you know i can't see the like all i know is that like there's a good contingent of the audience that doesn't like any of the fan submitted songs so i know that there's people that hate what i do and you see very little of what people like so i'm like i don't you know i don't uh i just like i but i will say this next album we were working on is with uh, musicians who are associated with that show so um (laughs) if there's any backlash all right yeah don't be surprised because it's like again it's like some but i we're not doing edgy stuff. We're just doing something that's, uh, like I said, very, very silly, silly premise taken utmost with the utmost seriousness. Because I don't know, I'm not great at like making, just not like, I want to be funny for a musician, you know? That's what I want to be. I want to be. <laughs> it's, a, it's a high benchmark. Yeah, I want to be funny for a musician, not funny. Like, I'm always, like, a funny guy. Like, oh, that's too much pressure. I don't so, want to like, do that. So, like, not Dave Grohl, like, because he's, like, the funny guy musician. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to be, like, that charming and witty and, um, you know, disarming and just be like, okay, I'm just instantly, instant, instantly super charming, lovable guy, like... I want to like I, I like especially in person like I gotta I gotta work for it and I'm I'm okay with that you know that's all right I've I, it's better now that I have glasses um it because I squint less oh. and I, <laughs> I look less angry <laughs> and I've realized that was a big part of it was just yeah. um my appearance without glasses is not because I have glasses now and I'm like um like I'm not like a big dude but I'm like a like I'm, I'm a taller than average person and I'm just like squinty and looking angry. Like I'm going to fight you or something. And that doesn't, that's not, uh, that's not delightful. No. And you're just like, I'm just trying to see you better. I'm sorry. I'm, not- yeah, I'm just trying to see, I'm just pushing my eyes in a way so that I can focus 
I have wrinkles on my face from like when it, since I've been a child, <laughs> and it just turns out I've had astigmatism this entire time. I didn't have glasses until like two months ago. That's how recently I've I've learned that glasses have made me like making make like talking to people in bars has been like way nicer. Like people are so much nicer to me now now that I'm not like like mad dogging them and like looking pissed <laughs> off. Beat mugging them. <laughs> yeah. Did you have like a what the fuck moment? Did you know like how much you needed glasses before you got them? Because like for me, I had no idea until I was in like my senior year of high school and I was in uh, like a pep rally and one of my friends had just gotten a pair of glasses and I was like, let me see these things. What is this like? And I could actually see the people on the other side of the gym like, oh, wow. I could see their faces, and I was like, what the fuck? Is this what normal people see? Like, they can actually see me? I thought it was is just going to be a blurry mask to them, but no, that was like, what? what's going on? This is not okay. And then I knew well, I, I needed think, glasses. I don't think I realized how bad my vision was. Um, because I can see pretty well. I actually have... Um, better than 2020 vision, but the amount of effort... I have to do to get to that point um, has created permanent lines in my face <laughs> because of how hard I squint and wrinkle my forehead to squish my eyes back into a round shape, basically, because that's what I found out that astigmatism is, is my eyes are just shaped like footballs <laughs> and there's nothing that can be done about it. Uh, and that's why I see double at night and like, see streaks and stuff like that so if you see and that was so the if other you're a person yeah. out there that sees streaks at night like lights and your vision splits up especially in the dark you you might have astigmatism yeah that's, that's definitely me again right there night, night blindness okay this like yeah it doesn't look like the motorcycle scene in akira all the time yeah, for like everyone. My whole life looks like Akira. It's awesome. It looks so cool, but it's very apparently something was desperately wrong with my eyes my entire life, and it makes me look. It's made me look a lot meaner and angrier than I really am, and my face feels less angry too. Like I physically feel less like less angry all the time. The tension's gone. Yeah, your tension no, is gone. You're not. You're no longer contorting your face into like really uncomfortable like positions anymore. You can relax. You're more zen. I don't know if you could do uh, dark kind of stuff anymore because you're not. Angry. No, yeah, I can't mean mug as well. I, could, I well, I can take off my glasses and then it's back to back <laughs> you to right back to it. right back to mean mugging people. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, like, I will say I am, uh, you know, there are bigger producers in synth, in dark synth, but I, I feel like I'm a, like, I'm not that tall of a guy, like, but I'm, I'm taller than most, like, I'm t a little bit taller than average, and that has made me feel like I am a bigger guy in synth wave. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bigger, kind of smaller guy. I'm a bigger I've guy noticed. in Synthwave. Literally, I'm just a bigger guy in Synthwave. I'm just a bigger, I'm just a bigger guy in Synthwave. I can't help it. I, <laughs> I would be a monster uh, then. Yeah, you're a fucking giant. No, you know, Iron Skullet is a giant. I am, uh, I am just, I am six feet tall. That is, but that's a, that's tall enough to be taller than, like most musicians, especially guys who are good at singing, are like really short guys usually. I'm always surprised by that for some reason. I'm not any, like, I guess I should be less because it seems to be a trend, but 
I notice it. Like, I'm just like, man, all these, all my musician friends, like, am I, am I not supposed to be a musician because of my height? <laughs> you're bucking the system right now. Yeah. And you're giving um, away the secret sauce. You're telling, you're telling the world that singers are short. They are. Like, I, I'm sure, like, I can just tell, like, Ollie Ride's like a shorter guy. I was just going to say something about that, but he's probably like 5'2". <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I was, I was, uh, yeah, like, like, Perturbator and Ghost are just shorter, but they're not short. They're just like, I think they're average size guys, and I'm just a little bit taller than them. And I feel like, man, these guys, this, like, you can make music no matter what, <laughs> even if you're short. The sky's the limit. <laughs> no, it's, I just I think about it's the weird stuff you think about when you're around people, and you like you notice you're taller than everybody, and it makes you feel instantly like you're like doing something wrong. Um, for some like I don't know if you if like you if the one thing that makes you stand out, like it makes you feel like you do not belong in that situation. Do you feel that way, Kyle? Um, I sometimes because Kyle's taller. Kyle's a giant. He's taller than six feet. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a giant. That's officially a giant. Yeah. If you're over, over, I, beyond, I, at, you're beyond just a little bit above average. See, I'm a large boy, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, sometimes it's just like, okay, I gotta look down, and it's just like, how does the double chin go all the time? Oh, dude, if I if I look at my people. phone. And I turn it on at the wrong time, and it's like the camera, and it's facing me, and I just feel fat. Yeah, I know about that, oh, too. I hate that. I hate turning on the phone and feeling fat. Like, oh, God. Like, man, this, this Snapchat is for our young people who don't have, don't have any weight or life experience on their bodies. That's uh, true. That is the, da- the damage of eating food as a producer that I shouldn't be putting it, like, all the caffeine and junk food I put in my body is like starting to take hold and I got to start, I actually need to start exercising. And it's, uh, you know, there's like a meme out there that's like a little Ninja Turtle. It's like Raphael and it's like pizza ruined my life. And I want to want to reconfigure that meme is like music production ruined my life. Cause it made me all fat, you know, like, uh, and I'm not even fat. I'm just like, I just, I've put on weight. Every time I make an album, I, I gain like 20 pounds and I got to work it off. Uh, is is terrible, but yeah, you open the app, you open up, you open up the camera, and it's facing you, and you're like, oh god, why did why did I do that? It's a nightmare. You just need yeah. to hold it up really, really high above your head every time you turn it. Yeah, look at it. Do it. Like, do then it. you get the good look angle. What girl, look what attractive people do on Instagram, and do that, and do it harder. It, it, mini filters. <laughs> mini filters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's like that meme where it's like. Uh, Instagram or girls on uh, Instagram and it's Freddy Krueger and then Freddy Krueger put through a filter. I haven't seen that one. I've got it for you. It's hilarious. <laughs> I've got it. We're going to show you a meme over. <laughs> I'll send it to you via uh, social media. You can. Have. Yeah, do it to it via uh, Twitter or something. I can, I can follow that pretty well. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I don't, I'm not good with, uh, like I don't know. It's not that I'm. I follow all the the memes and all this nonsense stuff, but I don't share. Like if you notice, like what I share, I never share like like meme stuff or uh, internet culture stuff generally, just because I kind of abhor it in a weird way. It kind of it just annoys me. But I don't. I'm not. 
I'm only annoyed if I was to do it. Like, I don't really mind if other people do it who are like, especially like if they're like, that's their thing and they present that all the time. But I'm like, I'm not going to start doing that. I'd feel weird and fake if I started like, hey, guys, hi. I got some memes for you. You know, that's what I do all the <laughs> time is the memes. memes. I've got the memes. It's like you have to, you have to establish yourself as a shit poster <laughs> beforehand yeah, before I don't, you can do that. I don't even have, like, I have this weird almost autistic sincerity about me sometimes and i can't i can't i can't not be sincere all the time like i just i and i i feel like it's a weakness is the this uh this undying sincerity to be like genuine with people uh even online uh it makes me it makes me vulnerable and i got to like like watch what i do and say or, or anything online because i uh cuz i mean it and people well, don't a lot of the time. Yeah, you're running into trouble there. And I just sent yeah. you the meme, by the way. It's, it's on the way. It, it's there. I sent it to you via Twitter DM. Okay, great. I will look. See, I'll I'll check this out. You got you got to check it out because it's. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So it's, it's the face smoothing. What you're talking about? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that kind of thing where. Oh my god! If my my self esteem, my self esteem can only handle like so much internet time. I can't imagine how much worse it would have been like if I was, you know, like a teenager in my twenties. Like at least I have a little bit of life experience to kind of like give me some security and uh, confidence in myself. But um, I can't imagine. Like, oh, you got to flirt on it. You got to flirt on Snapchat and like be it be like presentable at all times of the day. Like, I don't know how this works and I don't want to learn and I'm not going to learn. I'm going to be a proud uh, Luddite on that because I don't need to flirt with girls who are uh, or women who are like, you know, uh, 20 or whatever. Like, I'm not I'm not going I'm not going back to that's I'm not bothering with that. It's uh, going that's back a good to that plan. Life. That's a, that's I can tell you my experience that that's a good plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it's um, I tried I a few years ago I tried dating somebody who was uh 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 in their twenties and it was it was the night they ghosted me and I felt bad. I felt bad for like months about that and I was like, man, this is just how people do stuff now and I don't want to be a part of that. I'm just gonna. I'm going to date people older than me. I'm about that. I'm going to fill. That's something I've always wanted to do. You've done it. Like once. Yeah. <laughs> what? I recommend it. Look, if you, find a, if you find somebody who has their shit together more than you do, it is great. That it, I like, bet that would be it. That sounds fucking awesome. That's what it sounds It is like. pretty awesome. I got to say, I recommend it wholeheartedly to, to find somebody who like owns a house owns a car like they got all their shit together they got everything in their life put together and you're just like well i'll hang out sometimes i guess i don't what i, I can't really do anything for you but you know let's hang out it's great we'll have some good times it's cool no pressure yeah. no squinting involved no pressure all the pressure is taken off of like having to be impressed like you're not going to impress them they they got all their stuff they got it they got all the things they just want company you just got to be. You just got to learn how to be good company at that point, which that can be that can be a little bit daunting. But it's way less daunting than having to like to do that and be like, well, you know, like, um, you know, and you got to have a cool car too. You know, like that's that's too much. That's too much to ask for me. Kyle, I don't want to have like a cool car and yeah. a great personality. I just want to have a great personality. 
Screw the car. I don't need a car. I don't like cars that much, to be honest. I wish I didn't have to have a car. A cool <laughs> yeah, car. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be, I, I so, wish I lived in a city that was cool enough to not need a car. I live I live in dinky ass. Um, I'm, I'm about to crap all over my my home city that I live in. I'm not going to move away from. Um, but Colorado Springs is dinky. Um, it's a very big city, like it's sprawl wise and population wise, but there's no culture here. There's nothing. Um, if we p- try to play shows here, then people don't know what we're doing and it's they, they're confused by it. If we go to Denver, it's great. We get a great reception. We do stuff here. It's, um, it's kind of like a nightmare show that's prepared us for all tough crowds forever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to loop back to the, the cool car comment because Kyle bought a car recently that he can't drive in the wintertime. It's, it's oh, so where, are you guys, where are you guys located? Uh, Minneapolis. Oh, Minneapolis. Okay. Um, that's probably slightly worse than what we got here in Colorado <laughs> um, as far as winter. My car sucks in the snow. I have, I have two cars that are really bad in the snow. I want to get one car that's good in snow. Um, instead of having two cars that are crap, I want to get one good car that's good in snow. That's all I need. I've right now have two kind of crappy cars that are also terrible in snow. Um, what'd you get? What'd you get as a car? I, go ahead, reveal to the world. I I got a Honda Civic Type R, and I don't I don't even know why I did. I was just like <laughs> in the dealership when they had it, and they're like, "Okay, you're gonna buy it now, right?" And I was just like. Well, shit, I guess I have to. Was it summer? No, this was a month ago. Oh, oh God. Okay. So you got, a, you got a car that doesn't... So is it front-wheel drive? It's front-wheel drive, but it comes, like, the. I didn't know this at the time that I bought it, but, like, the wheel size on it is ridiculous. It's like a 20-inch wheel, eight and a half inches wide, uses a really low-profile tire, Instantly, I got the thing stuck and then broke a rib trying to get it unstuck. He literally broke a rib. That's not a joke. His ribs. Yeah. A single one, but I broke it. And then I'm looking, and I can't get all-season tires for this thing. The only tire that would fit the weird wheel size are, like, semi-slicks, because this thing is just, like, you're going to drive this in the summer, so here's your ultra-performance summer tire. It's, It's been nothing but a headache. I had to buy new wheels and tires just so i could get normal tires i had to buy new wheel it's awful oh no um <laughs> cool cars are dumb i don't know cool cars I'd... are dumb you know what look i have um i have a lincoln town car that i drive uh for the most that's my that's my main car because it's very comfortable to drive but it is the worst in snow it's, I had a uh, Lincoln Continental was my first car, <laughs> an 83 Lincoln Continental, which is yes. the last year they made them really big. And yes, it was really, really bad in the snow. Yeah, um, my, my old man mobile is terrible in the snow, um, which uh, uh, now that we're no longer in a drought, we get a lot of snow in Colorado again. And... Uh, I, I I can safely say I know how to Tokyo drift in a Lincoln <laughs> yeah. Town car. Um, I can do that pretty well at this point because I've had to do it. Uh, I just don't have a choice sometimes. It's just sometimes the tail end just gets away, and um, all of a sudden I'm drifting down the street. Um, not on, not turning either. I'm just like going sideways down the street, like I'm showing off. Um, 
I'm sure I, it looks I don't really like cool. It's always my cars. Yes. Uh, mini, oh man, I like you guys get like stupid, like, like, like two, feet, like two feet of snow is like a normal snowstorm, right? It's, it's like that's, sometimes, yeah. sometimes it has been that way the last okay. few years, but uh, you know, there's definitely, you know, I, I think forty-eight inches or seven feet of snow one year. It's really just mostly cold. That's what you have to understand. It's like parts of Canada. We're the same elevation as Toronto. Isn't that right? Or are we there's something like what, it's ridiculous. What is that elevation? What how how high is it? Or that? not elevation, but like we're like same latitude or latitude. something. Latitude. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're yeah. like on the same part of the hem like the hemisphere. hemisphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, could, we're right draw a line. We're dead like dead set in the middle of North America. Like right in the middle. As a continent. Yeah, and it gets colder here than it does in some parts of Alaska. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, I have family that lives in South Dakota. I haven't been there in a very long time, but we'd go through... We always fly through the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport um, to get to uh, the South Dakota airport for whatever reason, because that's how... I guess that's it was cheaper or something. I don't know, but... I remember the snowstorms in South Dakota were um, I'd never seen stuff like that because I grew up in Arizona and New Mexico and just you don't get four feet of snow. That just doesn't that's not a thing that happens in Arizona. I, I, I feel like jealous mostly. Yeah, but I mean, I live in Colorado now, so it's um, you can get I a get, shitload of we snow. Get like, yeah. We get like six, six inches of snow. All the snow goes into the mountains and then we get the what's left over. Um. But and it's, it's just like cold as 70 hell. the next day that it melts. It I is have... very the the weather here is um horrifically unpredictable. Like you'll have a 0 degree day and then all of a sudden you'll have a 60 degree day like right back to back. Um it's very like it's you you just dress in layers all, all times because summer gets cold. It like it it'll snow as late as uh June here. Same um, sometimes. Yeah, so we deal with we deal with very very long winters. The summers here are stupidly like it's stupidly hot for like two months, but it's still two months of absolutely swelter. And they didn't build these buildings like the old ones, at least with um, air conditioning. Thankfully, I live in a place with AC now. But if you live in a place without AC in the summer in Colorado, it is awful. And because they just decided, you know, a long time ago that you know your house didn't need any type of cooling system because it just stays cool here all year round. And that's not true anymore. So (laughs) um, it's, it's kind of, it's brutal in the summer, but July to August um, it gets in the hundreds and some people don't have AC. And uh, I remember working in the old house that we're like, Devin and I used to share a house and we had, I had AC units in two rooms and one of those rooms was not the studio. And that room would get up to like 95 degrees in the summer and it was impossible to do anything. It was like impossible to get anything done. Um, I blame, I blame that house for, for so much of not getting things done because of how uncomfortable it was in the winter time. Like in the winter, we needed to run two space heaters in that room. Uh, and in the summer there was no way to get an AC unit in the window. So 
Um, we just sort of had to deal with it until the, the, like midday to the house got too hot and we just had to just not work. So it was ba- um, that room was hell and like that room Earth. was hell. That room we made a lot, we, 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 we made a lot of uh, songs in there. Well, I made like, here's how, here's our workflow is that I make the tracks. I I'll make the track and then I'll send it to Devin and he'll finish it up. And then we'll kind of like together we'll analyze it and he'll pick it apart in ways that I wouldn't think about. And I'm okay with that because I trust his judgment on everything to, um, cause he's had to hear it a bunch of times to write his guitar track. So he'll, he'll hear it in a way that like somebody new will hear it. And then he'll have heard it just as much as me after a certain point. And then we'll go in together and mix it and master it. Um, well, I'm, I'm mixing and mastering. I'm just kind of following his guidance. He's like, this has got to go. This is too much. And he's he's a stickler for like things not being repetitive. I'm like, this is electronic music. So we kind of like, we butt heads a little bit, but it's not that much. It's really it's really like, he's just coming from a different world of music. He's, he's like, he's been in metal bands and things like that. Whereas I've always been in like, I'm like, I'm like, Daft Punk is not repetitive. It is... It is always evolving and changing, but it's very repetitive. I can agree. I can agree to that. But I, I, I don't want to like. Sometimes I want to make things more repetitive than they are, and he will stop me and be like, "Look, we can <laughs> just do a change up here, and that'll like just like if I do a fill somewhere." And that's why I've gotten like very pedantic with the way I program drums, is because Devin's input, he has to write to those drums I give him, and if I give him very, very bad drums he doesn't really know what to do rhythm wise so if i give him the better drum parts he gets the better guitar parts i get back and the better songs we make overall um but yeah at that house we we would make you know i would make the songs and i would send them to him he he lived downstairs in the house i live upstairs in the house and he lived downstairs and i'd send him the tracks and he had a studio downstairs too, but I had the better monitors upstairs. So we'd master a mix and master on the upstairs monitors. And there was just a lot of times where uh, that room was just impossible to work in because it's too cold or too hot. Um, we, we needed a Goldilocks temperature for that room <laughs> to work in it. And you never found it. And we never found it. I just moved. That's, that was my That's solution. That's the solution. to leave. There you go. Um, Speaking of leaving, we are yeah. we're getting late. We're getting late here in the Minnesota Times, and we're both uh, morning boys. So, uh, I, you know, I, a big takeaway that I have from this is I never really thought about it before, but I think my first experience with making music after hearing this thing about this PlayStation, the MTV, yeah, whatever it was, music generator. Music yeah. generator is that I did make music in Mario Paint. In oh the part yeah, of that where you could you know put tracks together. And yeah, I, I completely forgot great, about it. That was a great job, Mario Paint. I was you know, I was gonna make one time. I was gonna make a joke that our DAW is Mario Paint. Then I chose not to post that. But I was like. <laughs> Because like everyone like talks about their DAW, and I don't think it matters, so I was gonna joke about it, but I didn't know how people I were gonna take. Think you my should have just went humor. for it. Yeah, yeah, should have. I should have just done it, but then I thought about it too much. And now I, I'm just sharing it now. Do so it. that was my idea. So if anybody does that, that was my idea, and I had it first. Yeah. Do it now. The my... episode doesn't air for a yeah. little bit, so it'll be like yeah. it's yeah. already oh, out okay, there. I got time. Yeah, I got, got time to make that joke again. Yes, do it. 
But we really appreciate you coming on. It's been really uh, fun and entertaining. And, um, you know, again, please buy the vinyl. Buy the vinyl. Buy the vinyl. We still have a clear and a black vinyl available. I have like six CDs left. I'm pretty much out of physical media for, like, as far as what I have on hand, this very moment, I have six CDs. The vinyls are going to come out um, late spring, early summer. As far as like that, they're actually like they're still working. They're being made right now. So I'm just sort of, I got nothing. I've sold everything. That's got to feel everything else is gone. It's a problem you want to have. It's a good problem. I just not used. I so I tried to send so many packages from the post office that I got kicked out of the post office. (laughs) Yes. I wish that was a joke, but it was not a. That was like I got. I felt like we like and now. And then I went to see the guy who kicked me out. Like uh, I had mailed one package today. Guess guess who needed to go on a break the second I was in line? That dude. <laughs> that dude was like, I think he's a little like he doesn't want me to confront him or something. He's like a little afraid of something because because he I could see the look in his face and he was just like I'm going on break right now because he he looked right at me and then said he's going on. I'm like okay. Was this I see before or after the glasses? <laughs> this was after. This is after. Okay. I just think I this guy just this guy just didn't want to work and I gave him too much work and he just he was fuming and he kicked me out of the post office and he think I think he knows he shouldn't have done that because I'm fi- I found out that that's very much not how the post office operates. Yeah, yeah that's because that's never happened to me ever. And yeah. the other postal workers I explain this to are like, "Oh, we're gonna what's this guy's name?" <laughs> okay, I'm like, okay. So we've anyway. The point is we've we've sold a lot of things, which is cool. But there's been weird repercussions for it that I was never going to expect, like getting kicked out of a post office. So that's well, you know, interesting, like, but uh, things whatever. Things I do for art. <laughs> like yeah, the things I do for art. Um, you guys, uh, I would like to give, I would, uh, I would like to thank you for having me on. Oh, well, thank you. And I'd like yeah. to do, I'd like to do one more read in case this one's a little bit better than the first one. All right. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll do, conclude the episode. We could do the run afterwards. So, anyways, any last things you want to plug? Dusk Incarnate, get it. Dusk Incarnate, uh, just go to laarson.com. It'll take you right to the webpage of Dusk Incarnate. And that'll take you to any album that we're working on that's out. But this one will be out for a while um, because we just released it. So Dusk Incarnate, um, just check it out. That's that's all I got to say about that, really, is just uh, we just have a new album. And I'd like people to listen to it. And if you don't want to buy it, then that's fine. You can listen to it on Spotify. We're we're everywhere, man. Sweet. All right. Well, till next time, this is Eric. This is Kyle. And this is Ellie Arson with the Paradise Arcade. Paradise I can't Paradise I can't